Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Sorry for, and I'm blessed today to have a guest with me, Emily Shida. Emily is somebody that I have met through mutual connections via LinkedIn that we got to be able to talk about her unique story. So I'm excited for you guys to hear this today. So Emily, what? Are you not sorry for? I'm not sorry for relinquishing control. Please tell me more. Why and how did you even get to this part of needing to relinquish control and not apologizing for it anymore? Well, I grew up in a very small town. My husband, who is Polish, likes to call it a village in Iowa, one of those flyover states. And I transitioned to Phoenix, Arizona after I graduated college and then got out of a rough patch of life, a rough relationship. And I realized that some of that small town or that kind of Midwest, very conservative conditioning was limiting my growth and my life's adventure. And I ended up moving abroad and really starting to look into that transformative period of my life and realizing what really resonated with me and what I was you know, saying sorry for, for no reason and actually wanting to embrace life more. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that you found that you've had to do to be able to relinquish that control of some of the mindset that has been given to you as, as a child or has been inundated? Well, I've used a lot of reflection. So I'm a yoga and meditation instructor, and that's a a blessing. I have a lot of tools in my toolbox, let's say, but reflection is something that anyone can do, whether that's through meditation or maybe just journaling or just sitting for a cup of coffee in the morning and taking a few minutes to think about your life and what might be, you know, holding you back. Is it fear? Is it, you know, unconscious beliefs that we were, you know, conditioned from our peers, from our parents as we were younger to believe in they were true? And are they true for you now that you're, you, you may be an early adult or you might be, you know, in the prime of your life? And are you still living by those boundaries? And reflection, I guess, is the main key. And however you get to that reflection, whatever you might call it, driving down the freeway, you know, taking a road trip and just letting those thought processes come across like clouds in the sky. You know, what do I believe in? What are my values? Are those really my values now? And you might realize that somewhere along the way, you might not believe in the same things that you are brought up to believe. Um, and so then you can start piecing through those, those values, those morals, and reprogramming, getting in touch with that true self of how you actually want to live. Mm -hmm. I so understand that and, and believe that because there's so many things that we are taught as children that we just think are okay. That's what, that's what we're supposed to believe. So what is the one thing or maybe a few things that you're like, okay, this is life-changing. What I thought as a child is not really what 
I want to think as an adult. And in that process too of apologizing, how many times did you have to apologize for that that thought state or the change of that state? So speak about that for a minute. Absolutely. And just feeling like I didn't fit into normal, let's say, you know, you always apologize for what you perceive as not fitting into the mainstream. So I realized from a fairly early age that I was a big adventurist. I wanted to live abroad. But in the course of time, I had a five-year relationship. And, you know, the American dream is you go to college, you have this checklist. And when that five-year relationship ended with a stab in the back and kind of a twist in the knife going, you can't do this, you can't go back to this toxic behavior, I realized that I needed a break with those patterns, those belief systems, that checklist, let's call it, and start writing my own to-do list. And so that's really what I did. It was, how did I do it? It was was a progression, let's say, because you can't tackle that much change, and especially that deep, that buried, you know, change that you're looking at, bringing up maybe toxic beliefs that was it, you know, finances, me thinking I needed to have a certain amount of money in my bank account by 30 years old or wanting to make an investment on a house or, or getting married. That was one of the big things. I was 27. My dad thought I should, you know, start settling down and thinking about planting roots. And I was like, no, I'm moving to Europe. And, <laughs> and so I'm sorry that it doesn't fall in line with your trajectory of my life's plan. But again, let's come back. It's my life's plan. And it, so you have to take responsibility that you are mapping your life's journey. And if you realize you shouldn't have to apologize for taking, let's say, you know, the untrodden path, you know, the path that's not worn and weared um, and, and going down that path with less guilt. I mean, guilt is something that we do to ourselves for sorry, but why are we sorry for choosing our own way, you know, and being the artist with the paintbrush and, you know, just carving out new lines rather than, you know, feeling guilty and and carrying that burden, that baggage along the way. Mm -hmm. I feel a lot of the time that guilt comes from the comparison curse, that you're compared possibly to other siblings or to other people and to maybe your family's life. So what advice would you give to anybody listening to this to not go into the trap of comparison And to live your life in a way that is meaningful and valued where you can live out your purpose instead of what somebody else tells you you need to do. I think that is a lesson that we're all learning in this age of digital and social media. It's very, it's a trap. Like you said, you know, you get in this hamster wheel and you see different feeds. If you step away from a moment, yes, you can kind of shed that, that, comparison it's difficult I even you know now I'm in my mid-30s and I still find myself sometimes being pulled down that that Mm -hmm. trap you have to come back to yourself and I think a lot of it stems from self-love and confidence building that foundation first knowing again coming back reflection knowing where your values lie and what your you know your end point on that map is and honoring it and Mm -hmm. when you honor that that is an aspect of self-love you're honoring your journey again your individualized customized particular journey and and not letting those other influences cloud your way Mm -hmm. that's difficult but it, it you have to come back to that love of self and and honoring that 
So on your journey, can you tell us a particular time when you're like, okay, I'm glad I did this. And in that aspect, knowing that in my, this is my assumption that, you know, whenever you first leaped, you're still in that fear. You may have some motivation and then you're like, did I do the right thing? But then you come back and it's like, oh, you have like your breakthrough in your moment. Do you have a, a point in your story that you feel like you hit there? I absolutely do. So I did. After that relationship, you know, hit a dead end, I moved abroad. And whether you're an entrepreneur, because it can be very much likened to owning a startup where you have super high highs, you're riding the wave, and then you have your super low lows. And you're like, why did I jump ship? Why did I go into the great abyss? And then you kind of paddle your way back up to the surface again. And I think, I mean, I was also kind of in the process of mending a broken heart and then redefining myself outside of that couple. Um, so being in Europe in an entirely different location was very helpful in that. And I think it probably took, I mean, a transition abroad. It took me maybe a good six months to really find my bearings. But I think once I came back to finding my individual self, again, self-love, it might sound like a broken record, but it really, it's institutional, I think, in our lives. We lose contact with that. When I came back to myself and honoring my passion, my purpose, as I was discovering what that was again, I about six months in, I realized I had started to create the life that I had dreamed. And that was when I was resolute on continuing down that path and helping others as well see the light that, yes, you will hit bumps in the roads, road and you might bloody your knees, scuff them a little bit. But as you if you're a startup and you're an entrepreneur, you will see those milestones along the way that will keep motivating you to push forward. And I think six months was kind of when I had to highlight that uh, aha moment, the, the light came on. And then about a year later, I met my husband very serendipitously, um, let's say in a, in a nightclub, uh, but it was like fireworks. So I think in the evolution of it, it was personal, it was professional, it was everything in culmination. Um, but it was rooted in that love of self that really got me there to weather the storm. Mm -hmm. I love that. And the aspect that that's, not, I'll say that's similar to my story and finding that the power of love and to, as somebody that has a background in health science, like to take care of myself, I need to eat right and need to sleep and I need to exercise, you know, nothing was taught about self-love. But that really is something that is so important. And for me, it took me to learn to love myself so that then thus I can love others. And my definition of love is to be patient, kind, honest, understanding, and not boasting of ill will on others or myself and, and reversing it on both ways. So why do you think people have an issue with the word love and loving their selves? Coming from the holistic side of things, I think a lot of it stems from ego. Self-love can equate to ego. And it's not, it's they're not equivalent by any means. Self-love is kind of exactly what you said. It's compassionate. It's purposeful without being arrogant. It's stepping back and taking, I, okay, the ex-boyfriend may have been long gone in my history, but he had this one quote, I will take care of myself in order to be good for the relationships that I have. And vice versa, I expect you to take care of yourself in order to be of value to other relationships. And that's such a valuable lesson I took from that conversation in particular that 
self-love is is not ego it it's not it's is building confidence yes but confidence does not does not equal ego either ego is is when you're pompous when you're arrogant and and self-love is is stepping it back two notches and just being comfortable in your own skin it, it's finding those little things that you can do for yourself that cup of coffee that's you know shopping rendezvous that those little things that build you up that put a smile on your face make you feel wholesome wholesome is a wonderful word for self-love if you you have a conflict with you know love of self um so you feel like you're a hundred percent in it that you i also equate that to you know the half glass half full and the glass half empty type of scenario is that you want your glass to be full so that you can bring that hundred percent energy to any experience any you know, engagement that you're part of. And that's really, you know, self-love. If you can think of it, that glass being filled up to the top and you're bursting with, you know, confidence and energy, that's, that's the end result you're looking for. My favorite part about self-love and what you're speaking on right now is that you can't pour from an empty cup. And so having that cup full so what are some ways that you would advise people to fill their cup with whatever may be that that can help them get to the next level to say, hey, it's okay to love myself and it's not selfish? Absolutely. I think taking baby steps is is the big thing because it's change. I mean, if you are brought up to believe, you know, don't let your don't be too confident, um, don't have an ego um, and having this kind of tiptoe around self-love it might be difficult for you to actually start implementing it on a um, a full basis i would say you know start journaling start some sort of routine that in the morning you have a gratitude journal or you just think to yourself you know what things you're grateful for um and then implementing little acts of kindness for yourself during the day that one is really integral it, it seems mundane but once you actually start to put that into practice you'll see what a difference so tap into what are your likes what what brings a smile to your face is it going to a movie is it getting connected with friends is it sitting down for a moment of silence it, it's can be across the spectrum what brings you joy is it welding out in the garage i mean for the men out there um finding those little things that just bring you joy, bring you pleasure, will help you realize that that's boosting your energy. It's making you feel fulfilled. So then, like you said, your glass is full to the top and you have all that energy to engage with others more, more completely. And with the energy, the one thing that we speak about is controlling it or controlling the controllables. And how can people better manage their energy in the ways that they can control it more than having other things own them and control their energy? Well, that's a wonderful question. And I'll, I'll take that to mindfulness. It's being in the present moment and acceptance is a huge word for that. So accepting the moments um, and it also is tied into control. If you accept the moment and that things are not personal that, that you can only control yourself and and if you want to control others it feels like you know your fists are 
going rosy or holding on to a tightrope and you're just trying to control life. But when you can relinquish that tightness and accept that your journey is yours, you're going to meet people to their point of their experiences and, and you're going to bring your experiences to the table as well. But realizing that what might be going on, how are they might interact? Maybe they, you know, cause you um, to be disrespected in some way, or you feel like they in infringed on you to realize that that might not be personal. It might be something that's going on in, in their lives. And so you don't let that energy affect you um, as much. If you can just accept the moment that they might be having a bad day, that you know, whatever is going on to in their life, it's not a reflection of who you are. And you can stay resolute in yourself and feel grounded. And it's kind of like if you're bouncing a, a basketball against the wall, it just hits the wall and the energy is propelled right back to them. Um, so you just kind of, again, it's relinquishing control and realizing that you are okay. And you know, you are confident, you're assured, and nothing else can really impact you. Um, so really being present, being mindful, and being steadfast in, in yourself is really my best advice. And then a part of the control, we talk about how our thoughts lead to our feelings, which lead to our actions, which over time will get to our habits. And the cascading effect is our thoughts start it off. However, 97% of our decisions are made on feelings. So how do you help people relinquish control by controlling their thoughts to start that cascade and not just always going on feelings of guilt or that comparison curse or whatever may bring from it? I'll start off with, we have about 80,000 thoughts a day, which is ginormous. And only about 20,000 of those thoughts are actually positive thoughts or, or truthful thoughts. So filtering through all the thoughts and becoming aware of it is a mammoth task at hand, but we can do it. It's, it's not easy. Again, it's a, uh, you know, baby steps. It's, it's getting through the roughage, but you have to realize their thoughts are like, let's say the storm clouds or, you know, big white fluffy clouds going through our mind and, and thoughts just do, they float through the sky just like that. So if you, if you don't allow yourself to see, you know, a storm in the midst and you just focus on the truthful statements, the nice white fluffy clouds or, you know, the nice blue sky, it becomes easier to gravitate towards those truthful, more intuitive thoughts that will bring you a better state into a better state emotionally. If you realize that you're grasping onto a negative thought that's going through the mind, and I like to say the half truths when you're judging someone or comparing yourself, those are half truths. You're going to go towards it. You're going to spin it towards the negative. If you realize what you're doing, and that's mindfulness, it's being very present and you're aware, you're not letting outside distractions detract you. If you're very aware, okay, I am comparing myself to Sue down the street, you know, why am I doing that? You know, I, you know, have all this abundance around me, yet I feel like I'm not living up to, you know, my neighbor, let's say, for example, then you can realize that in your mind rather than in your gut and reprogram yourself going, okay, I had that thought, I wanted to jump on that cloud and bring it back. I don't want to jump on that storm cloud. That's an entirely false statement. We're going down two different paths. And then you come back to reality going, I have all this, all these blessings around me and let's continue down my path because that's where I'm meant to go. 
And so you, you keep it up in the head per se, and then you can bring it back down into the heart and down into the gut, the intuition and the emotional state. But it really is a practice. All those holistic therapies, yoga, meditation, tai chi, it, it's intuitive. Um, and you got to have patience and grace with yourself as you, as you move through them. You'll become very good at it over time, but we don't get to being a guru or a master overnight. So having patience, realizing that maybe you'll see over time, over the, over the week of being mindful of the thought process, those clouds, those stormy clouds that you'll start to slowly, it'll resonate. It'll hit home more often than not. And then you'll be able to, to navigate life with more grace and ease and less suffering in that sense. That is amazing because I like how you talked about the head to the heart, to the gut. And that's so true in starting out with the the thinking and seeing, having maybe a check with yourself on where is this moment currently at? Is it in the head? Is it in the heart? Or is it in the gut? I feel like gratitude is always a reoccurring theme that happens and will happen in all of my podcasts just because I believe it is an untapped potential and untapped power that a lot of people. How has gratitude helped you relinquish control? It's been pinnacle. I think it's wonderful that it's a common thread throughout your podcast and your interviews because gratitude, it, it helps you sit back as though, you know, you're not sitting on your heels, but it sits, you sit back in your blessings. Like, why am I comparing myself to others? They have their own set of blessings and I have all this, you know, joy and all these presents around me. So it's easier to relinquish that control because you feel confident, safe, and secure when you know that you have this cushion. It's cushion, it's gratitude, whether you know it's 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 that warm hug from your spouse or your children. It's simple as that, that gratitude that makes it okay to relinquish the control. I'm safe, happy, secure. And that's what gratitude really provides you is that is that that cushion, that net, that's always going to be there to, to, to catch you if you do fall, if you feel, you know, that you've gone off, off course. I thank you so much, Emily. Any final last words that you have? I think it's just to come back to reprogramming your awareness of self-love. I think that if that's the biggest takeaway for you is to look into self-love. And if you're not implement, implementing it on a daily basis to figure out some activities or some practices that you can implement in your daily life that really give you confidence and joy. So especially in this time of chaos and uncertainty, I think it's coming back to yourself and reminding yourself of your value and self-worth, which is self-love is a vital importance to push forward with a healthy mind and way, way of being. I appreciate you so much, Emily. That was such an amazing talk. And I know people have got to get something out of it because I know I did. So, so much gratitude towards you for your openness, your hotness, your humble, open and transparency to come on and speak with us and speak life into people about how they can relinquish control. So, so much gratitude to, towards you. And thank you for all that tuned in and watched. Until next time, I hope you all have an awesome and blessed day. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.